Welcome back to the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning podcast for Brain Fact Friday and episode number 124. If you've been listening to this podcast called Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning, I'm sure you've made the connection with the importance of improving our social and emotional skills in our schools and otherwise called emotional intelligence skills in the workplace with an understanding of how our brain works. This week, we interviewed Professor Chuck Hillman from Northeastern University, and he mentioned that an important concept he would like to see in the future would be more people like Paul Zantarski, who built his career with the application of Professor Hillman's brain research. Today's Brain Fact Friday will teach you how to do this. If you're interested in how you could be this person in your school or workplace who could spearhead the implementation of these new evidence-based ideas, I'll show you how simple it can be so that you can be confident with what you're sharing with your schools or teams and make sure that it's accurate and not just pseudoscience. In 2014, when an educator urged me to add the most current neuroscience research to my programs, I had to quickly learn about the brain and be sure what I was learning was accurate. I didn't go to school for a degree in neuroscience, which is one route I highly suggest, especially through Butler University's Applied Educational Neuroscience graduate program. Lori Desitel heads that up. I went another route, though, and found the leading neuroscience researcher, Mark Waldman, to teach me all he knew and later joined his neuroscience certification program so I could share the most accurate research with others and stay up to date since this information is always advancing and changing. This is exactly what Paul Zantarski had to do when he began to learn how the brain works from Professor Hillman's research. Once you have an understanding of how the brain works and where to go to look for the most current research studies for your hypothesis or something you're interested in sharing with others, it's really not that difficult. We can all be neuroscience researchers, but the key is to find accurate studies that come from a website called PubMed.gov, not just Google, YouTube, or random articles you might find on the internet. This is how I added brain research to my second book, Level Up, and I began speaking on the topic of stress learning in the brain in 2016. My first brain-based presentation was for York Region District School Board's Quest Conference, and that was in 2016, and it filled up and had standing room only. Principals, superintendents, teachers, students, people from the Ministry of Education all filled the room with the hopes of learning something new. It was the research that was throughout this presentation that helped me to have the confidence to share this knowledge and not feel intimidated with the fact that I'm not a cognitive neuroscientist, but someone who's passionate about the subject that I would gladly trade my weekends to study and learn more so I can share it with others. There was one slide that gave credibility to the topic with the advice of Mark Waldman, who'd been presenting on the topic for many years before me. It's funny because he mentioned that studies show that if you put an image of the brain in your presentation, it adds instant credibility to what you're saying. I'll put the slide in the show notes so you can see how easy it can be to attach a PubMed study and picture of a brain to your next presentation if you want to add neuroscience. 
You can see my slides where I'm talking about what stress does to our brain as well as students' brains with the study cited at the bottom. So how can you become a neuroscience researcher? Here's four simple steps that I know you could implement if I could do this. Step one, first you want to think of your hypothesis or something you're interested in that you will back up with the most current research. Let's use my presentation slide as an example and say that you want to do a presentation on how stress impacts the brain and learning. Step two, go to pubmed.gov and it's important what you type into the search bar. Typing in chronic stress in the brain brings up over 16,000 results and that's way too many for you to read through. If you put fMRI in brackets next to what you're searching, it will bring up studies that use brain scans, and this narrows down our search a bit more to 628 studies. Step 3. Read through the studies whose titles interest you. If you've ever looked at an abstract or research study from PubMed, you might think like I did when I first went there, how can I take this and implement it properly? I'm not even sure what the study is saying. Don't worry, the parts of the study that are important are the title that tells you the topic and hypothesis, what the researchers want to prove. Then there's a middle part that gives you some detail about the study that you can scan, and don't worry about all of the language. I'm sure many researchers aren't sure what it means either. If you've ever conducted a study, you're usually an expert on your subject area and not an expert at finding the statistical mean for your study, but someone who is an expert will inform this part of the study, and that helps to find an accurate conclusion that you'll want to read. Step four, pick a study that makes sense for what you're trying to prove. The study that I used in my slide was chronic stress disrupts neural coherence between cortical limbic structures. And you'll see that I cited all of the authors of the study exactly as they appeared along with the publication date of the study. It really is that simple. You can become a neuroscience researcher and add the most current research to your own presentation using these four steps. You can also find interesting brain facts that would go along with this study to make what you're sharing more interesting because another brain discovery is that people don't pay attention to boring things or people and you don't want to be boring. You'll want to take the science and add it to your presentation without the scientific jargon that loses people's attention. You can add engaging brain facts throughout your presentation on your topic to bring the attention back and give a sort of a brain break. So let's add a brain fact to our stress and learning topic. We know that stress impacts the brain and learning, but did you know that your brain is 73% water? It takes only 2% dehydration to affect your attention, memory, and other cognitive skills. The authors of this brain fact are so brilliant that they tied it to a study on pubmed.gov on cognitive performance and hydration. You could easily add this brain fact to a slide, encourage your audience to take a drink of water, and remind them that our brains need water to hold our attention, memory, and other important cognitive skills. How easy is that? I hope you find this Brain Fact Friday episode useful. If you do use these tips to implement some new ideas into your work, I'd love to know. Please do reach out to me and share how you've been inspired to add the most current neuroscience research to your school or workplace. I'll see you next week. 
you're enjoying the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning podcast, please don't forget to subscribe so you'll stay up to date with our new episodes. While you're there, please feel free to give us a review or a five-star rating as it helps others find us. For more information on our programs, books, and tools for schools and the workplace, visit us at www.achieveit360.com. 